Are you there in 2 Corinthians chapter 1? I um, was asked by a TV reporter who called me this week, wanted to come up and interview about the story. And um, the lady asked the question, what would you share with Cheyenne from Scripture? That's an open door. And um, I told her I would share 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So if you allow me today, I would like to share 2 Corinthians chapter 1 with all of us today. Because I don't know about you, but I think we all need the God of all comfort. Last Wednesday, we looked at scriptural truth for sudden tragedies. From Mark chapter 4, Jesus on the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. Everything was tranquil and perfect. And uh, all of a sudden a storm comes up of tremendous proportion. The ship is flooded. They're all ready to die. And if you remember, we looked at five things. And I just share them as points to launch our uh, look today. First thing is, storms happen to Christians as well as non-Christians. Jesus was in the boat, and yet the storm came up. Secondly, it's significant that Jesus, if you remember that account, he didn't hear the storm. In fact, you remember how we know he didn't hear the storm? He was fast asleep. But when the disciples cried out, Jesus, we're going to die, he heard. Aren't you glad for a God like that? He controls the storms. But he listened to the needs of those disciples in that ship. Third thing we looked at is, even though they were tremendously fearful, remember what Jesus said, don't be afraid. Where is your faith? When fear knocks, which it does all the time, answer fear with faith. Trust in who our God is. The other thing that I thought was interesting about that passage that I'd never seen before is that when Jesus left with his disciples in that boat, it says in Mark chapter 4, there were other ships that went with them. That means when the storm came up, they were impacted as well. When the storm stopped like that and the sea became calm again, They experience that, which is a reminder of how all of us have the privilege to walk by faith, not by sight. And we must because others are watching us all the time. Could be lost people, could be saved people. They're watching. The other thing And the last and maybe most significant part about that scripture passage is Jesus was in the boat. 
and we challenged ourselves, are we in Jesus' boat today? Have we put our trust in him? If you're here this morning and you've asked the question, what does it mean to be a Christian? How can I understand that? The Bible makes it very clear that we are all sinners. None of us meet God's standard of righteousness and holiness. There's none righteous, no, not one. And because of that, we're all destined for an eternity in hell. Except that God so loved us that he did what? Sent his only begotten son. And the Bible says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So Jesus Christ took your sin penalty, my sin penalty, and bore it on that cross. But when you have a tragedy like Cheyenne experienced this week, I remind you that Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again victorious. And he promises as he rose again, that is the provision for us to have eternal life if we're in Christ Jesus. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what does it promise? Thou shalt be saved. I hope you know him today. That message was on scriptural truth for sudden tragedies. This morning from this passage, I would like to look at comforting truth for times of testing. Comforting truth for times of testing. We've read the passage together, and I would like us to think about four things, and I'll give them to you one at a time, and we'll address them from the text. But before we do, let's pray together. Father, we um, thank you and praise you for being the God of all comfort. That means that when we are terribly uncomfortable, terribly burdened, distressed, troubled, perplexed. You are there for us. Help us to look to you today. Help us to see the truth from this passage and not just see it, but apply it and live it. You minister now to every need represented here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to notice, first of all, the gift of comfort. The gift of comfort. Did you notice, and this is a very common salutation, but Paul oftentimes writes this way. I focus on verse 2. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from Above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Grace, peace, and comfort are all what? Gifts from God. Gifts from God. And that gift, that idea of comfort here, is not just somebody saying something comfortable to us. It really is a drawing near. 
And we're going to see in a minute how that plays out when a tragedy like this happens. But I, I was asking myself the question this week, what are some ways that the Bible describes comfort? And so I want to give you a few of them this morning on this category of the gift of comfort. I found it interesting. The first time it's mentioned is in Genesis 5. You don't have to turn to these passages, but I'll read part of them to you. But it says, Lamech, who was Noah's father, he said this of his son Noah, this same, meaning Noah, shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands. The literal name of Noah brought comfort. And then I got to thinking, what was it that was distinctive about Noah? Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. You know, um, I spent all summer, almost every day, with Dalton. And when I think about Dalton today... I think about grace. I think about grace because he demonstrated to me such humbleness, such teachability, such willingness to learn and a desire to be a pastor someday. I hope we all have the kind of name that brings comfort to someone. Have you found grace today? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any of us should boast. Noah's name brings comfort. Does your name bring comfort? Are you demonstrating a walk of humbleness that shows that God is appropriating grace in and through you? I also thought <clears throat> this was interesting. This is very familiar. Psalm 23, the Bible says, Thy rod and thy staff, they what? Comfort me. Rod and staff. I think the idea there is the idea of correction and guidance. God loves us. And he is constantly doing things to guide our path. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. If you were at the wedding on Saturday the 27th, you heard both Dalton and Cheyenne share their testimony of how the Lord saved them and how he brought them together in Bible college. Maybe the one that was most obvious, I didn't need to read it, but I do want to read it to you so we can be reminded. Psalm 119 verse 50 says this, This is my comfort in my affliction, For thy word hath quickened me. Aren't you glad for the word of God at times like this? Aren't you glad that you can go to the source of truth? You can relate to Paul's suffering here as he's sharing with the Corinthian church. How he's pressed beyond measure, even to the point of death. And what does he find? He finds comfort in God because of that great gift. I thought it was interesting in Ezekiel 14. 
The Bible says they shall comfort you when you see their ways and their doings. How we live our lives. What we do. How we act. What we say. Are all things that can bring great comfort to others. Matthew 9 says this. This was the woman who was sick. And Jesus was in a crowd. And you remember she reached out and touched his garment. And Jesus said this. Matthew 9. But Jesus turned him about. And when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. A walk of faith brings comfort, doesn't it? Are you walking by faith today? In Acts chapter 9, it says, Then had the churches rest, and it finishes the verse by saying, And in comfort in the Holy Ghost. I was thinking this week about the joy it is to have part of the Godhead, what, living in us, desiring us to listen to that still small voice. Letting that Holy Spirit guide us daily when we read God's word. Asking him, because he wants to teach us those things we don't understand. And we'll never understand why God would choose to take a young man's life preparing for ministry at age 22. I have no answer. But I know that God knows best. And God makes no mistakes. And I am reminded today, Romans says it this way, for whatsoever things were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Paul wrote often that in Philippians, I noted this verse, but it's several times given, He drew comfort when I know your state. He was comforted by knowing that the men that had walked with him, that he had left at various places to minister the word of God. They were faithfully staying by the stuff and it brought great comfort to him. If you're a believer here today, the gift of comfort is all around. God is not withholding his comfort from any of us. But you know, the other thing I saw in this text was found in verse 4. And I call this the goal in God's comfort. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we... So he comforts us. God is the comforter. He gives us the gift of comfort in how much of our tribulation? All of it. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Wednesday night, I reminded us of a man named Joseph Scriven. Joseph Scriven was a pastoral major at Trinity College in England. 
getting ready to graduate and go out into ministry. In his situation, the day before his wedding, his bride-to-be drowned. Joseph Scriven finished college, moved to Canada to minister the word of God in some of the poorest areas of that country. He was there for a while when he heard that his mother was dying in England. And he wrote her a poem. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. He wrote that. How many hundreds of thousands of people do you think have been comforted by singing, What a friend we have in Jesus? I know I have. I grew up singing that great hymn. It's 161 in our hymn book. But you know what? I read another story about a gal named Carolina Berg, Swedish lady. In fact, she was called the Fanny Crosby of Sweden. In her story, she was on a ship out in the Baltic Sea, which borders Sweden there. And um, the ship hit something in the water. And she was standing next to her father, who was also her pastor. And when the ship hit that object, it knocked him and he fell over and drowned. You know what Caroline did? She wrote day by day. And with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here, trusting in my Father's wise bestowment. You've been encouraged by that song? You ever sung that song? You say, well, that happened in the past. No, it happens right now. I'll tell you why I know. Cheyenne experienced the comfort of a lady in Florida she'd never met. And I asked Cheyenne if she would be willing to share what that lady did for her while down in Florida. And she said she was willing. So Cheyenne, would you come up right now?